Welcome to the Beautiful Souls Podcast with your host, myself, Danielle Cadwell. I'm an Olympian author, speaker, and coach, and I'm here to dive deeper into all things mindset, manifestation, mission, and yes, some meditation. In 2013, I was an unfit, concussed, and massively self-conscious synchronized swimmer when an opportunity arrived that was well beyond my wildest dreams to begin training for the next Olympic Games. I was terrified. However, I decided to take the biggest leap of my life. I went all in, moving from Canada to Australia and dedicating my life to my sport. On this journey, I made a vow to myself. If I could do it, if I could really make my wildest dreams come true, I would spend the rest of my life sharing what I had learned to help others do the same. So beautiful souls, this podcast is where I fulfill my promise. We'll talk about everything from the energetics of manifestation and the power of self-worth to mindset cultivation and how to step up and into your soul mission. You can think of this time together as kind of like a soul spa, where together we will wash away your fears, massage you with some truth and some love, and spruce you up on the insides with some spirituality. So, are you ready to be rejuvenated from the inside out? Let's dive in. Welcome back to the podcast, Beautiful Souls. It is such a pleasure to have you here. And I wanted to share a special episode with you guys today, um, which is about the Olympics, because um, if you're listening to this in the time that has been released, the 2021 Olympics, which was technically supposed to be in 2020, has officially started. Um, and it feels like this incredible moment of full circle, because if you don't know, I was actually at this big fork in the road a few years ago um, after I, w- I was uh, basically I was competing and I was trying to figure out if I was going to go to another Olympics. And my fork was go to the next Olympics or take a leap, write my book and do exactly what I'm doing now. And both of them seemed awesome, right? Like, you know, and the uh, second Olympics, like I didn't even imagine to go to a first one. So a second one just like absolutely blew my mind. And I, I literally struggled with this, this decision probably like in hindsight about like two and a half years, um, but really was contemplating it deeply for about six months. And I obviously know or you guys know the choice that I made, but um this this journey that I have been on since then has been absolutely magical, but my Olympic story is still a huge part of that. And I wanted to share with you guys, oh my gosh, I'm already getting emotional because <laughs> this story that I'm sharing with you guys means so much to me. And I want I want you to use it in your life to give you some reminders about what's really important and how possible. It is for you to live this life that is wilder than your wildest dreams. And the story that I'm going to tell is actually my favorite story from the Olympics. And I've shared this quite a few times, speaking on stages and um, and to children and to, to boardrooms. Um, and especially if you're Aussie, this is probably going to pull your heartstrings just a little bit more. But... It is a story about the opening ceremony, which has is actually happening today um, for Tokyo. And um, 
and my experience in the opening ceremony and why it means so much to me and, and what you guys can take from this because everything that I do in this podcast I want you to be able to use it in your life not to just be like oh look at me but like use this in your life as inspiration and telling stories is one of the most beautiful ways I think to, for us to have our own awareness and breakthroughs and understanding because we see ourselves in those moments um you know that's why we love movies that's why we love Netflix that we like we love series or audiobooks um so this is a part of my story so the opening ceremonies at the Olympic Games is literally one of those things that I have always, um, I need to be able to get through this without crying, that I've always loved watching. I would be the girl that would always know when the opening ceremony was and I would sit down and I would watch the whole thing. And this is before, you know, keep in mind, this is before I went to the Olympics myself. And I would sit down and I kid you not, and it comes it's so interesting knowing the perspective that I know now is as the athletes were wa walking out, I would sit there and I would cry because I would realize that so many of those athletes in that moment are living their dream. They literally had manifested this reality that they had been working towards. And I guess the big empath in me felt that for these thousands and thousands of athletes from all over the world who are walking out, waving at the camera and being so proud to stand there for their country. So when I actually did make the team, and when I, you know, got the call uh, on April 6th, 7th, I believe, 2016, um, and then worked towards, you know, the next few months with my Olympic team officially and then flew to Rio, one of the things that I was the most excited about was the opening ceremony and being able to walk in it. Because I may have mentioned this before, but a lot of athletes um, at the Olympics don't actually walk in the opening ceremony um, because it's actually a really exhausting process. Basically, you have um, to go to the ceremony for quite a few hours and it's usually really late and you can't really sit down. You cannot eat. You cannot go to the toilet when you're there. And when you're an athlete, you're very precious, right? Especially an Olympian. At that point, like you are in your peak shape. You need rest. You need hydration. You need to, you need to food, you know. So it was it's a, one of the things that um, most athletes that compete in the first week of the Olympic Games won't actually go and they won't actually um, walk in this uh, opening ceremony or sometimes what they do as well is they'll walk in like they literally just walk in and then you walk out and go back um home um on the bus to the olympic village and it is um it, it's really it's really an honor to be able to walk it and stay the whole time and a lot of athletes kind of don't want to and it was one of those things i feel really lucky we had a team decision um that we we wanted to go and we wanted to stay the whole time because we had to do everything as a team <laughs> and i realized you know getting closer to the games um uh, that i was going to be walking in the opening ceremony that I used to watch on TV for all of those years. And I was going to be one of those little people that walks out that I was crying about. And I literally can't even like describe how overwhelmingly um, honored and excited I was for that process. So the day of the opening ceremony, 
I believe, I'm pretty sure it was August 5th in 2016. We actually had a really early morning and we had to train that morning super early. I think we got up at 5 a.m. or something like that. And this is like one of those days of my life where like I was... Girl, like it was crazy. It, it was a crazy, crazy, beautiful day. And, and like I kind of mentioned in other podcasts, you know, because you kind of have to make everything normal when you're at the Olympics because you have to be there and compete. However, on the day of the opening ceremony, I really allowed myself to feel it all because I still had two weeks out till I was going to compete. And we kind of had the following day. We still had training the next day, but we had a little bit more time to recover. And it was one of those moments where I was going to fully just allow myself to be in all of the excitement and take all of this up because I knew that it probably wasn't going to happen again. And so we competed that morning and I'm pretty sure that day as well. This is the craziness of the Olympics. Um, uh, that, um, so you, if you don't know, um, Denmark, this is going to make sense. Denmark has a Royal family. Um, and the princess of Denmark is actually Aussie. Um, so the Royals, um, the Danish Royals come to the Olympics. A lot of Royals are at the Olympic games. And what they do is they actually come and visit the teams, um, of the country that, you know, they're, they are the Royals for. Um, and so Denmark, obviously the Danish Royals always go and visit Denmark, but because Princess Mary, that's a whole nother incredible story. If you've ever heard the story of how Princess Mary met, I can't, I think it's Frederick met her husband. Um, it basically like in a bar in Tasmania and, and she was just a regular girl and now she's a princess. Like it's incredible. Um, she always comes to visit Australia as well because she's Aussie. And so that day, um, we got to also meet, um, the Danish Royals, which was really cool as well. I think we have a picture with her, um, and, and shaking her hand and giving her a big, um, Aussie boxing kangaroo. If you know, boxing kangaroo is like literally the Aussie, um, uh, mascot that he has like little boxing gloves and he's like a full kangaroo and every team um, at the Olympic Games gets one, every Aussie team. Um, so we had that. And then we had a couple hours to get ready for the opening ceremony. And I sometimes say ceremonies, but I don't, it's ceremony. Um, and, you know, wanted, we all wanted to look nice, right? We're, and our team was like, we're going to get on camera. This is our moment. We are going to be those people that get on camera. Because, like, there's thousands of athletes that come out. Like, you might be able to see your bobbing face in a crowd. But I was like, I want my be, to my family and friends in Australia and around the world to be able to see my face on TV. <laughs> Um, and I better look nice. So, you know, we're all like doing our hair or makeup and all this stuff, which is, you know, we don't, we hadn't done, we don't do that at the Olympics other than when we compete. So it's really nice to look nice. And at about, I think about 3 p.m. ish, you have to get, um, and this is my experience from Rio. And so it might be different for other Olympics. So this is my experience from Rio. You have to come outside in all of your Olympic gear. So you have a specific outfit that you need to wear for the opening ceremony. And we even had this little necktie thing they told us how to tie it and we're like really um and the girls we were given a bag um which was really nice to put our stuff in and we have our olympic blazer um and there's a very specific outfit that you need you have to wear and you have shoes our we had like tom shoes with like the olympic symbols in it 
everything's really beautiful um and we're all like waiting outside and like taking pictures and then basically you have to do this like walk to all of these buses to uh line up um and and hop in to be able to get to the arena and this i know this might say like sound like oh that's not a big deal but let's think about this they're organizing about ten thousand people to go in buses that hold about 60 people to get to rio the center of rio and we were 45 minutes out of rio um and so this was like a really long arduous tedious process just all filing in country by country getting in buses like this was take even just walking there and getting the buses took a couple hours but you know we're excited and it's all good and we're you know at that time we were talking to the other um, athletes I think we we were talking to the the tennis players um, which is really cool to meet some of the famous Aussie tennis players and the basketball players and the um, Olympians and um, from the past and like all these different people it was really cool and then we hop in the bus, um, and there's hundreds of buses, and we start on our way to uh, the opening ceremony. And another thing, too, I'm giving you guys all behind the scenes. Um, we all received phones. We all got a special Samsung phone that was an, um, a limited edition Olympic phone. Um, so all of us are, and we all had um, data, so we all had cards. Um, basically, this was so that they could keep track of us and we could message our team manager and stuff. So we're like, you know, excited with our phones, like messaging. And uh, we didn't have that much data, so we couldn't like be on our phone a lot. Um, and then as we're driving down the highway, I realize as we look to the left, there's like standstill traffic on the other side in Rio. And, and there's a lot of traffic there anyways. And you realize that they've actually blocked off part of the highway so that all of these athletes in these buses could get to Rio on time to, I think, I think this is what it's called. I feel like it was the Macarena Stadium, but I think that that's wrong because I'm like, hey, Macarena. Um, and so just to realize that this this traffic they stopped the traffic in the whole city of Rio of millions of people so we could get there so you literally were feeling like this like oh my goodness you just feel so special right uh and then we get out of the bus and we start to kind of make our way closer to the stadium and you have to line up by alphabetical order um and of course a australia is right at the front and this is really interesting too didn't know this uh, until i was there that the people at the end of the alphabet they actually have another holding stadium for them um where they basically take these all these thousands of athletes to this other stadium for them to sit and wait while they have to wait their turn to be able to walk in because the athletes walking in i believe it's like a an hour and a half minimum process like it's quite a long process um and so we were at the front so we didn't have to wait too long to walk in and it's it's getting dark at this point and we are winding our way around the stadium and you're seeing all these other countries like opening ceremony outfits and like some of the outfits like no offense but some of the outfits that people people's countries were wearing were so bizarre like bless their hearts i'm pretty sure germany's you're like what is happening there and austria's opening ceremony outfit you're just like what i just don't even understand who designed that how is that okay it was just really really ugly so luckily even though some people didn't like our opening ceremony outfit we still um, looked decent and then um what actually happens when you're walking into the opening ceremony is that the first line of about 10 people um at least for australia they choose the athletes that they want to walk out so um 
the first line of people. So you have the flag bearer, then the first line of 10, and then basically anyone can be behind them. The first line of 10, they're basically athletes that a lot of the, you know, the Aussies at home would recognize. So, you know, one of them was this lady who was 60 years old and it was her first Olympics um, as an equestrian athlete. Another one was um, Melissa, who was a diver and it was her third Olympics and she was like 25. Like, it's ridiculous. Just an Olympic cycle takes four years. So you do the math. She was very young at her first Olympics and she's going to win this. She's like at her fourth Olympics before 30, like crazy. Um, So it's like basically these, you know, well-known Aussie athletes. And then me and my teammates were like, we're going to get to the front. And so we're trying to figure out like where the cameras are. And we think that when we walk through the stadium, you're going to, because we've been in the past, you walk to the right and you kind of walk around the oval um, and then you find your little place. And so that's what we're thinking. We're like, okay, so if we walk or if we're walking to the right, we want to be on the right hand side because that's where the camera is going to be. And I actually wrote on my hand in permanent marker, hi, mom and dad, because I was going to like show the camera. And um, we, as we're like, we're getting really close, um, you can literally, oh my gosh, there's 11-11 as I'm sharing this. You can literally like feel the stadium and, and you don't even have to be a spiritual person, but like the music is so loud and there's like, I think there was about 80,000 people in there. Right. And so you can feel that vibration of what it is like in that stadium and you can feel the excitement. And then as I started to see, we kind of walk down and through this big tunnel. Um, and you can see just in the glimpse on the other side is where you walk out into the stadium and we're walking really slow at this point. Right. Like, cause you're kind of like, shuffling basically because it's taking a while and I'm realizing that oh my gosh I'm about to walk into the opening ceremony and I was holding my teammate Emily's hand and I was really trying to like take this all in this is this moment you know this moment that that little girl in me all those years ago um, that was watching all these Olympics and so proud of these other athletes she's on this other side and we start to walk into this tunnel and one of the things that um, was a partial struggle for me when I first moved to Australia is um, my I grew up as a really proud Canadian and a really proud Aussie as well. Um, my parents are Aussie, like my whole family's Aussie. Um, I have family in Australia. So I always, you know, at like cultural days growing up, I always like brought lamingtons and like wore a Aussie flag. <laughs> um, but I, because I had a Canadian accent, there's part of me that just like felt a little bit like an outsider. And I even had, you know, some of my teammates telling me they're like, just don't say anything. Don't speak because people are going to know you're not Aussie, um, which was hard the first couple of years. And, I really developed this love for my country, um, Australia, as I was living there and competing there and really realizing one of the beautiful moments for me was actually going to the War Memorial Museum in Canberra when we were there for a training camp once um, because sometimes we'd have days off and sometimes we were really tired, but sometimes we'd go and do something because it's nice to do something outside of just being in the pool all day. And my serendipitously, um, my whole team went on a tour and they lost me on the tour. Um, and this is a huge museum. And I was kind of like, eh, it's fine. Like, and I was just wandering around by myself. And I was realizing in that moment, um, you know, as it was such a blessing, because I had about an hour totally by myself, I had no idea where they were. And I was walking through this war memorial museum and thinking of my, my grandfather, my my dad's dad, who actually was in Darwin um, when there was the bombing in Darwin in the Second World War, and he fought for Australia. And then I was thinking of my, you know, 
um, my um, my grandma and grandpa on my mom's side and, and them growing up in Sydney in Australia. And I just felt this overwhelming like love and pride for, for being an Aussie. Um, and I felt as like, even though I may not sound like it, even though I grew up in Australia, sorry, in Canada, I have so much love for this country. And I do, I so deeply love Australia. Um, and it gave me this, this surge of pride. And the funny thing is, you know, when I like refound my team, like an hour and a half later, um, no one even noticed that I was gone. I was like, way to go guys. Thanks. You just lost me. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, so when I was walking back into this, in this tunnel in the opening ceremony, I felt this, like, I felt like my heart was swelling and my, this is what I was interviewed, um, quite a bit. Um, before we actually competed, um, because I was a good speaker. And one of the things that I would often say is my heart is swelling with pride. My whole teammate, all my teammates would make fun of me because they're like, oh my God, you're so cheesy, Danielle. And, but I literally felt it in that moment as I was walking through this dark tunnel holding Emily's hand. And I was feeling so proud to be an Aussie, but also so proud of myself. And then as I'm feeling this, all of a sudden you hear one person go, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. And then as the whole Aussie team of a few hundred people go, oi, oi, oi. And then we just keep going, Aussie, oi, Aussie, oi, Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. And then we, but we keep going, Aussie, oi, Aussie, oi. And we're like chanting this and, and chanting can be so like, um, s- such a healing and like a, a tribal, um, expression of self and I was started chanting this with my team and my Aussie team and I had tears running down my face as I was holding Emily's hand because I was thinking in that moment not only how proud I was to be Aussie but I was thinking of that girl that girl that had the concussion that was deeply in her own level of depression that the girl that sat in front of the mirror for so many years and squeezed my fat and stared at myself and projected hatred towards my body the girl that wished she could have been born in another body so she could just love herself the girl that for so many years was never good at synchro the girl that always came last in figures the girl that no one ever thought would become anything of herself, the girl that had the balls to do something freaking crazy and jump on a plane and move to Australia, that girl, that girl was walking into the Olympic opening ceremonies and literally achieving her dream at 23 years old. A dream wilder than I could have ever imagined four or five years before. A literal quantum leap into this reality that was so beautiful, that I valued so deeply. And as I put my phone down, because I was recording the Aussie, 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 oi, 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 I put my phone in my in my purse, and I, and I was holding Emily's hand, and we're in this darkness, and all of a sudden... We step into the light of the stadium. And I look out at the thousands, tens of thousands of people bawling my eyes out and realize that I did it. That I became an Olympian in that moment because I believed so deeply in myself. 
because I worked for it, because I did something that was crazy. And I released the outcome and I did it because I loved it so much. And I didn't mean to be here crying with you guys, but it just means so much to me. And in that moment as well, bawling my eyes out, waving at the cameras, I didn't realize that my family saw me on the TV screen and friends all around the world. And the next day, that picture of me bawling <laughs> and my friend and teammate Emily and two other girls was plastered across all of the newspapers on the front page of Australia. And I became, I truly believe, an Olympian in that moment, in that moment of the opening ceremony. And I allowed myself to feel it all and I allowed myself to feel present and I allowed myself to take it all in. And we walked through the center of the stadium. And around, I was just looking up at the crowd, which is thousands and thousands of little twinkles of light. And I realized how capable we all are to do something that may seem impossible when we truly and deeply believe in ourselves. And I actually so believe that this is possible for everyone. But most people, let me tell you, most people are going to give up because they feel like it's too hard. It takes too long because they're afraid that it's not enough. They're afraid what other people are going to think. They're going to give up. But I don't want you to be most people. I want you to believe in what your life can be, to believe in what is possible for you and to keep freaking going. Because eventually, you will always get there. And you always get what you need in the process. And it may come to you different than how you looked. Maybe you have an Olympic dream. And maybe you will go to the Olympics. Or maybe you'll go as a coach. Or maybe you'll achieve your own Olympic dream in your own way. But eventually... When you believe and you take action and you work on yourself and you do something that you love, you will get there. I was even, Luca was showing me today this TikTok of Richard Branson, who has recently gone to space. And he said, as he's looking down at the earth, he said, when I was a little boy, I had a dream to be in space. And now I'm sitting up in space, looking back down at the earth, seeing that I have achieved that dream. And just imagine if we have done this in this generation, what is possible for all of your generations that can see what is possible when you believe in yourself and you go after something that you dream of and you love. Imagine what is possible. Imagine, imagine what happens when you believe in yourself, you love what you're doing, you find present in the moment, and that moment of the Olympic opening ceremonies, that was my space moment, that was my looking down at the earth moment, that was my pinch me, holy fuck, I did it, I'm in my quantum reality moment. And I know this might sound crazy to some of you, but I know I can do it again. I know I can do it again. It might take time. 
it's definitely going to take effort and you know it's going to take aligned effort because it's not just about just the grind and the hustle I don't believe that but I know I can do it again but most importantly I want you to know what's possible for you and I don't want you to be like maybe most people who give up because they're afraid of failure. They're afraid of what people think. They're afraid of rejection or judgment. I want you to hold the vision. I want you to believe so deeply in yourself. I want you to work on your self-belief Do your own healing in your own way and know so deeply that it's possible for you. That's my mission in this lifetime. Because that Olympic opening ceremony story, it's bigger than me. I can't believe that I did it still. But I'm also here to share it. Because I believe, you know, it's my duty to show people what's possible inside of them. What is possible inside of them. And I want that to be your truth. So, as this is released on the day of the Tokyo 2021 Olympics, which I decided to not partake in, which honestly I have no regrets about because I know I'm exactly where I need to be. Um, may you take a moment to watch those athletes and honor them because every single one of those athletes that you're watching is living their dream in that moment. They're achieving their dream in that moment and give them the credit of watching them and cheering them on, even if they lose, because there will be lots that lose and use all of them. And use this story, this podcast as proof that it is possible for you to allow watching the games to be your expansion moment, to be your inspiration moment, to be your moment where you choose to rise up for your life. Because it's really easy sometimes when we see people that are doing inspiring or big things to be like, well, it's easy for them if they didn't deal with my circumstances or my life or my dis or that or da 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 and I've heard everything in the book, then, you know, I could be there too. Stop being the victim. I'm going to be real, real with you. Stop being the victim of your life. You get to create your life, but you will never create it if you were the victim. Never. Start to take radical responsibility Do your inner work. Work on your self-worth, your self-belief. Hold the vision for your life. And keep freaking going. Because you will get there. I hope this podcast episode will leave you in this space of feeling invigorated and excited about life realizing what is possible for you and may you take this energy in your day and spread it with joy and with love and with laughter and if you've enjoyed this podcast and this episode please let me know I love hearing your feedback and as well if you're enjoying it too it would mean the world if you get the chance to rate and review if you're on Apple Apple Podcasts thank you so much for listening beautiful souls to my teary eyed story 
I love you so much. Have the most beautiful day. Welcome to the other side, beautiful souls. I so deeply appreciate you spending this time with me. My intention with this podcast is to uplift, love on, and inspire you and align my actions with this intention. But as with everything in the world of personal and spiritual development, take what feels good for you and leave the rest. As a white, able-bodied cisgender woman, the perspectives I share here are inherently affected by my privileges. I'm actively invested in learning how to elevate and support lived experiences beyond my own, and I'm always open to and grateful for your feedback. I am listening. No matter who you are, where you're from, or where you're going, I see you, I love you, and you matter. So thank you for listening, beautiful souls, and I'll see you next time.